I was just not a particularly good student, and that's putting it mildly. Everybody thought I was stupid, except my mother. She was always saying, Benjamin, you can bring home much better grades than this. She came from nothing, my mother. 24 children, got married when she was 13. But she was still smart enough to study those people who had these beautiful homes. And she figured that the reason they did so well is because they were well-educated. And I begin to recognize that the person who has the most to do with what happens to you is you. It's not somebody else. And nobody can stop you, because it doesn't matter where you came from. You get a good education, and you write your own ticket. A uh, fantastic interview, fantastic um, speech. I remember Dr. Carson being, I believe that was in Texas, with the president. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Got the music out here, G, on the floor. Um, the American Cornerstone Institute, the ACI, was founded by world-renowned neurosurgeon and 17th Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Dr. Ben Carson. The ACI will focus on promoting and preserving individual and religious liberty, helping our country's most vulnerable find new hope, and developing methods to maximize government's efficiency and effectiveness to best serve all our nation's citizens. It is a great honor to welcome the 17th Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, how are you? I'm doing well. Always good to be on Studio 6B. Thank Excellent. You. It's, a, it's fantastic to have you. I've, I have been inspired by listening to you talk about individual liberty, liberty, individualism. Um, and I want to start there before we get to the ACI and some of the great stuff you're going to do there. We talk about liberty on this show, and I'd like to hear you speak about the idea of, and we're seeing it more and more, and I, and, and I believe we're seeing it these last two days in the Senate. People and politicians, mainly on the left, using liberty to destroy liberty and using the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, it, it is really rather amazing that this is happening in the United States of America. This is a country where people came who were seeking liberty from oppressive government oversight in their lives. And it was a foundational principle of our Constitution and of our whole being that people would be free to think and to speak uh, and to live as they wanted as long as it didn't infringe upon someone else's rights. And 20 years ago, if you had told people that this would be going on in the United States, they would have just said, oh, get out of here. There's no way that's going to be happening. And yet you see how quickly our freedoms and our liberties slip away. And that's what Ronald Reagan was talking about when he said, it's no more than one generation away. If we let down our guard and, uh, you know, we stop fighting, of course, now that you say fighting, it means you're, call, you're calling for an inciting a riot. But what we really mean is, you know, you have to stand up for the things that you believe in. And if you don't stand up for them, they will, in fact, disappear. And that's what we see happening right now. And the sad thing is that most of the people in the United States are reasonable, good people who care about others, who will lend a helping hand to a stranger, who care about their neighbor, who don't ask them whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. But it's the media and the politicians who come in and stir things up and make you think that you're supposed to hate that person, when in fact, just having respect of someone else's opinion is what America is all about. That's who we are. We can't let that be changed 
by people who have vendettas and hatred in their heart. Yeah, you know, I think an extension of this conversation, I had a viewer last night write me an email saying, you know, I'm watching your show with my two teenage daughters. And again, we talk a lot about liberty and the Constitution on this show. And I was thinking teenage daughters in today's education system, you've been such a vocal supporter of school choice. Um, we see this current administration now, what's going on with trying to get kids back to school and teachers unions and what the current president is doing or not doing. Um, where are we? What can we do um, in education right now? What can we, obviously school choice is not something that's going to be on the, on the doc, docket for this administration. What are you guys doing at the ACI? What do you see? What can we be doing in education? I was thinking of this gentleman's two teenage daughters thinking this might be the only place that they would get exposed to hearing about, you know, not yeah. hearing about the 1619 project. Well, education is so vitally important. It doesn't matter what background a person comes from. If they get a good education in our society, they can write their own ticket. That's something we used to talk about a lot. Not so much anymore. We want to make people feel like they're victims. Absolutely not true whatsoever. And the fact that we're, we're teaching people erroneous things. You know, our history is a rich history. It's not all good. Uh, have we done some bad things? Of course we have, because, you know, we're people and people are imperfect. But your history is what provides you your identity. And your identity provides the basis of your beliefs. So if you don't have that, you become, you know, just a wisp in the wind. So easily changed from one thing to another without any solid beliefs. And that's what's happening to a lot of our young people when they're not getting the real foundation and when they're taught that patriotism is not something that they should have because this is such an evil place. Uh, I, you know, if I were trying to destroy a country, that's exactly what I would be telling their young people. And, uh, you know, it was Karl Marx who said, give me your young people for three years and I'll have them for life. Uh, we need to understand how critical, how vitally important teaching our young people the right things are. Yesterday, I was in Naples, Florida at an educational summit, and they were showing me some of the books used in public schools mm. and elementary schools. And what they're teaching those children, I mean, I was blown away. I mean, there's absolute pornography there. I, I, I can't. I can't believe that this is going on in our schools. And that's why it's so important for parents to get involved, go to those meetings, uh, go to the legislative sessions, make sure you understand what's in that curriculum that your child is being taught, and make sure you are providing them with a foundation at home. Yeah. You know, in the four years that you served at HUD, uh, we covered on this show Stanley Kurtz's article that came out in National Review that talked about AFFH. And I, I don't think there was a topic that we brought up Then I read that article that we got more response from the audience about AFFH. And it was something you and the former president obviously fought um, to get rid of. Um, what are your feelings now going into this administration? Do people, you know, the idea of the suburbs and Joe, and Joe Biden, I believe that article was entitled Joe Biden's plan for the suburbs. What yeah. are Joe Biden's plans for the suburbs now as you see it? Well, I hope his plans include reading a lot of the comments that were sent in about AFFH, and he will discover that a lot of people he thinks are his traditional constituents were appalled at the amount of, of red tape and paperwork that was involved. And uh, 
what we really want to do is provide much more freedom for the local jurisdictions. They know what their problems are, and they have a much better idea of how to solve them than a bunch of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. We believe in federalism, and one of the things that we did at HUD was bring in a CFO. They hadn't had a good CFO or CSO's office for almost a decade, and that's why things were in such shambles. Fix all of that, bring in a good financial structure, which then allows you to follow where the money is, and if you know where the money is and how it's being spent, you can provide a lot more freedom. And that's exactly what we were doing. And I think people were enjoying that quite a bit. Uh, I hope they don't go back to the way things were before. Yeah. So let's talk about the American Cornerstone Institute. Um, I know you've got four core principles that you want to tackle. I know a lot of it has to do with federalism at the local level. Um, tell me about this. Well, uh, you know, when I was thinking about retirement, I was thinking how nice it would be to go play golf and enjoy life. <laughs> but uh, really couldn't do that, seeing the direction of our country uh, and thinking about the children, the grandchildren, all those who are following after us, and how we are moving away from those foundational cornerstone principles that allow us to go from a bunch of ragtag militiamen to the most powerful nation in the world in record time things like our faith. And, you know, it, it is that Judeo-Christian foundation which teaches us to love our neighbors, not to hate our neighbors, not to try to make their lives miserable if they don't agree with us. And then the whole concept of liberty, you know, trying to suppress what people believe, trying to get uniformity. You say, we want unity. Unity means everybody agrees with us. That's that's not real unity, quite frankly. That's not what e pluribus unum is all about. And then the, the whole concept of community. It's so fascinating. The vast majority of Americans love their fellow man. They're decent people, and they have common sense. And if they learn how to stop listening to the purveyors of hatred and division, uh, I think that will help a lot, and, and we will be focusing a lot on we, the people. Uh, not so much the politicians, you know, they may be a lost cause, but the people themselves do have common sense and ultimately have the power, and we must emphasize that to them. The government works for the people. The people do not work for the government. And then the whole concept of life, from the womb to the tomb. You know, we need to be thinking about quality of life for people. How do we create that? Not how do we control their lives, but how do we allow them to have control of their lives? Yeah. You know, an extension of what you're talking about here, we get a lot of people who call the show or write the show and say, well, what are we going to do for four years? Conservatives, what do we do? And you look at Republicans con controlling these state legislatures in some of these local areas. I feel like when you think about New York and California during the Trump uh, era, they got more liberal. They never worked with Trump. Why can't we in these next four years and some of these in more on a local level start to get the local state legislatures down to sheriffs and l look like more of the represent the people who put them them more with those values, conservative values. I mean, you have red states redder than Florida that are um trying to put these mass mandates in, you would think it was New York or California. Don't, can we attack this stuff there at the local level? Well, I, I think we will start to see that because 
I don't think a lot of people would have actually believed how far to the left and how quickly we would be getting there unless they actually saw it with their own eyes. And, and now they're having a chance to see it with their own eyes. And I think that will stimulate some people uh, to begin to be a little more serious, to really get much more involved with, with what's going on. Um, and sometimes it's darkest before the dawn. Mm. And uh, it's a little dark right now compared to the principles and values that created this country. But we'll get there. And, and we will get people to understand that we're not enemies. One of the things that we'll be doing at the American Cornerstone Institute is, is having uh, roundtables and forums around the country, bringing people of diverse uh, philosophies together and dealing with the facts, not dealing with emotion, but with the facts and what actually works and, and being able to work together to solve the problems. I yeah. found that to be the case at HUD. So please uh, go to AmericanCornerstone.org and get involved. Dr. Carson, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. We hope to have you back. Thank you for your service to the country, and thank you very much for being a great patriot. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Dr. Ben Carson here, live from Studio 6B, just getting started on a Thursday night. We've got more to do. News, Harry's Corner. We'll talk about what's going on in the Senate when we get back right after this. from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Thursday night. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson joined us in the first segment. What an honor it was to have him on. Just fantastic. We wanted to get right to him. Um, so just fantastic. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, I'm always inspired to hear brilliant speakers talk about, in such an eloquent way, talk about liberty and freedom and individualism and upward mobility and everything that he champions and, and did champion at HUD and AFFH is a disaster for the suburbs as we talked about it extensively here on the show and him, President Trump and Dr. Carson worked feverishly to um, end that regulation and, and now the current president has uh, brought it back with probably the help of Cory Booker is going to try to supercharge it yeah, and ram it through so that'll be fun you know you know what i was most impressed with the way that uh you know he referenced his mom as you know because she's been such a big part of his life but you see how that kind of carried him forward and he doesn't blame anyone for anything that happened to him you know about you know taking responsibility and that's what his uh, i guess part of what his uh his foundation is going to be doing moving forward yeah, there's no victimhood there. There's right. only um, there's only take personal responsibility, be, you know, individual um, sovereignty, and he he believe, talks and believes and work towards all that all the time. So just fantastic, an honor to have him on. I mean, to think about the people I've gotten to speak to, who I've listened to and read. I mean, Dr. Carson's right up there. But I mean, probably the. The one I'm happiest about now looking back, because unfortunately he has now passed on, is Dr. Walter Williams. Dr. Walter Williams, I mean, it's just, whew. 
But I mean, Dr. Carson is just brilliant as well. It's just fantastic. So, yeah. and, and, and yeah. was he the only secretary that lasted the entire administration? Four years, the entire administration. Um, because usually two years is about where these guys start to get a little, you know, burned out. Because it's it's a stressful situation to be part of the cabinet, part of the administration for any for any president. And you see you see that that usually two year turnover happen. But I think he was uh, I think he he was the only one. I don't know if he was the only one, but he certainly was there all four years um, in the media for the most part. Although I think they did try to attack him on certain things, but right. Dr. Carson is not going to be, um, he's just not going to be bothered by the media. <laughs> he's just not. No. Uh, all right, let's do some news. And we got Harry's Corner coming up. Rick's got sports. Geo Franner here. Glad you're in on a Thursday night live from Studio 6B. Uh, what's going on in the news besides this asinine um, circus? And that's exactly what it is. That if I had a guess, most of America is not paying attention to because so you can't take Eric Swalwell and Raskin and Lou right. and these nerds. You can't take them seriously. It's just, and the story that John Solomon broke today is just, I mean, <laughs> it's the highlight of uh, the whole thing. This uh, idiot Swalwell. Uh, are you God. talking about the impeachment blunder of a tweet <laughs> <laughs> that I have lined up here as yeah, my first? Wow. Perfect, perfect segue. Start there. We're simpatico here. Yeah. Uh, the author of a tweet introduced by Democrats uh, at the Senate impeachment trial said Thursday that her statement, we are bringing the cavalry, was a clear reference <laughs> to a prayer vigil organized by churchgoers yeah. supporting Trump and not a call for military-like violence at the Capitol riot as portrayed by, you guessed it, Representative Eric Fang Fang Swalwell. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Lynn Lawrence also said she believes that the California Democrat and House impeachment manager falsified her tweet. Check this out. Adding a blue check mark to the version he introduced at the trial suggesting she was a verified Twitter user with more clout when, in fact, her Twitter account never had a blue check mark and has never been verified. I noticed that when they put my tw- tw- my tweet on the screen, that all of a sudden my tweet had a blue check mark next to it. She said during an interview with John Solomon on his podcast. This way, if he entered that into the congressional testimony, it's a verified account, and it has. It can be applicable in law. Secondly, he wanted to show that my Twitter account had more gravitas than it actually did. He wanted to show that the president was trying to use me to bring in the cavalry. The check of Lawrence's Twitter account shows she does not in fact, have a blue check mark verification, and Swalwell's version of her tweet introduced at the trial did. Swalwell's office did not immediately return a call Thursday seeking a reaction. But Lawrence is a Christian conservative activist and former Breitbart writer. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and her tweet on January 3rd carefully chose the religious word cavalry, which means a public display of Christ's crucifixion. Yes. <laughs> not the cavalry. We're, no. we're not showing up with the cavalry. No, no, it's not, not on horseback. It's we're not talking F-true. about the depiction of, uh, of Christ <laughs> on the crucifixion. Right. It's not F troop. It's not Corporal Egon, you know, who's going to be leading the charge and getting everybody lost as they look for the Hukawis. Uh C-A-V-A-L-R-Y as opposed to C-A-L-V-A-R-Y. See, now that brings up something interesting because he's introduced something that's not, that's basically a lie. Well, he was, he was probably, um, 
going back through all the evidence he had of uh, Russian collusion because, you know, he, he had it before. I think he still has it hidden away because right. no one's seen what he, what he claims he had and saw. Him and Adam Schiff, you know, they had uh, dinner over there at the uh, who knows where to talk about all the evidence that only the two of them never saw. Oh, we, we got him. Yeah, what do you got? Don't worry about it. Me and Adam got it. Okay, Eric, thanks. <laughs> Bring in the cavalry. Uh, no. On the battlefield, one should send the cavalry, which is the word <laughs> for an army component on horseback. Yeah. The uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary clarifies yeah. a similarly spelled word, cavalry. However, it refers to an open-air depiction of the crucifixion or, more recently, an experience of intensified suffering. Yeah. Oh, he's an impeachment <laughs> manager, though. Put him up there in front of the Senate in the microphone where everybody will take him very seriously. <laughs> what yes, a joke. They, they were going to run up with their, own, with their own crosses and plant them in the ground in front. Amazing. This guy. It's so, just the clown of all clowns at the circus that is this trial. He's the king clown, master clown, this guy. <laughs> it's unbelievable. What, uh, a, what a schmuck. And, and it's amazing that, you know, this is the kind of stuff that they're introducing into the, into the record, into the proceedings. Yeah, oh, sure. For, impe- for impeachment. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't seem to be able to seem to get it right. And, and this isn't the first lie. Uh, that they've introduced. There have been plenty of them. Of course, they've been uh, trying to push the uh, very fine people hoax again. They were they were trying to use the Russia hoax again. And, of course, now since they've wrapped up, they've decided to wrap up a few hours early today. And in the closing argument, the impeachment managers asked the senators not to let the riot go unanswered and that they must convict. Um, that was uttered, of course, by... Your favorite, Mr. Raskin. Uh, He was there. The House impeachment managers today wrapped up their oral arguments on the third day, calling on senators not to let Trump's incitement of his supporters go unanswered. The managers argued on Wednesday, the second day of the trial, that Trump engaged in a month-long effort to incite his supporters to uh, doubt the presidential election results, leading to the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. After hearing opening arguments from both sides, senators voted Tuesday, of course, to continue on. And on Thursday, Colorado Democratic Rep uh, Diana DeGette uh, was the first to present. She played clips of rioters saying they were fighting for Trump. And DeGette argue, argued that the protesters carried out that riot for Trump. They also chanted, fight for Trump. They said he had invited them. And in fact, as we heard, he had invited them. Uh, DeGette said that the insurrectionists started to leave the Capitol complex after Trump tweeted a video telling them to go home. Meanwhile, Maryland Democrat uh, Jamie Raskin, the lead manager, of course, you know, had his say as well, condemning and uh, also bringing up the kidnapping plot of Whitmer. So. More news. Harry's Corner coming up. (laughs) 
<laughs> 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Man, we started the show on an absolute high. Dr. Ben Carson. <laughs> guys like my lead in. Gosh, gosh, I Dr. know where Dr. we're ben going Dr. Ben Carson with this. was with us um, to talk about the ACI, the American Cornerstone Institute, which sounds like I mean, if there's, you're going to pick somebody to fight for American values and go around and talk about the exceptionalism of America, who better than Dr. Ben Carson? I mean, he's just, he's inspiring. He uh, just, man, come on. So he was great, and that started the show. So now we're going to take it to another level, and that would be uh, it's time for Harry's Corner. Let's go live to Washington, D.C., <laughs> to Harry's Bar. Yes, Harry's Bar right there. Now this is... Harry doesn't own this bar, but it's called Harry's. And our own Harry Oates, former executive producer of Live from Studio 6B, is there with Anna Perez from Real America's Voice. I'm not done introducing you, Harry. Don't talk until I introduce you, please. Here he is, Harry Oates. Harry Oates, how are you? I'm great, Damon. How are you guys tonight? Well, we're good. We had Dr. Ben Carson to start the show. Did you like the interview? It was, it, as always, Damon, you do a dynamic job interviewing all of our guests. <laughs> now, Harry, could you hear the interview there at Harry's? <laughs> I can hear it. I, yeah, we heard it. It was, it was great. Oh, okay. You did. All right. I'm <laughs> just checking because sometimes Harry tries to slip and, one and, by and, me. And, but. <laughs> and, 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 and what I will tell you is the TV behind us has Studio 6B on it. Oh, yeah, look at that. I can see it. I can see it on there. There's a live from Studio 6B oh, on the that. Harry's TV at the bar. Yeah. So everybody eating and getting drunk and watching us on the TV. <laughs> what could be better on a Thursday night? So, all right, that's yeah, I like that. tonight, too. On a, on a Thursday yeah. night down here in D.C. All right, so give us give us the scene, uh, Anna, or I guess or Harry, whoever wants to go first. What's what's going on in D.C. this week? Um, another week of Joe Biden uh, ruling over the monarchy here. Um, what's D.C. like? It seems like there's people out and about. What's going on there? Yeah, well, right now at Harry's, obviously, it's pretty packed. Of course, still following the restrictions, all those guidelines, but uh, probably one of the more packed nights we've had here, so that's great. Um, I think we have a few groups here. I think New Republic is here, um, and I, there's some people from Freedom Works as well, so really good crowd. Um, but as far as D.C. this week, um, obviously, the impeachment's been happening. But I don't know how many people actually care to watch it. Um, obviously, it's been a huge political circus, but I don't know if that's really something that Americans care about, given everything that's happening, not getting their stimulus checks and everything. So that's been interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, you know, Anna, we posted your um, piece today on the Live from Studio 6B Facebook page, and I thought your opening to it was fantastic. And you said another year another impeachment, another chance for Democrats to take your damn money and waste it on this asinine circus that we're all watching, and that's um, pretty much right on the money. Exactly. That is exactly what's happening. Well, thank you for uh, posting that. But yeah, no, it would, that's true. I mean, this is not the first time it's happened, and it's all about them. They just want to you know, have their Spartacus moment, as I pointed out. But um, 
it's nothing really to benefit the American people, and I think everybody can see that. And it's just ridiculous watching this happen all day for like however many hours a day, eight hours a day. Um, and it really just takes away from all the other problems. Like people don't have jobs right now. People need help. And it's just, it's ridiculous and it's sad to watch because we don't have anyone that's really fighting for us anymore, particularly Joe Biden being president. Um, we just, I feel like we no longer have somebody who is actually advocating for the American people and, you know, now he's, they're trying to impeach him again and he's not even president and that's kind of pathetic in my opinion. Yeah, you know, um, well, we've talked about on this show the fact that the, there's no historical or factual basis for this even going forward, but here we are going through it, and uh, I guess the president's team starts to do their presentation now, and I heard Dr. Gina Loudon ask Jenna Ellis, Harry, about if she thought that the fact that the Trump team was going to have to go on Friday and then heading into the weekend, if that was going to affect any, or if she thought that that put them at a disadvantage. Um, and I go back to what I said before. I don't think most people are paying attention. We know they don't have the votes. So this is just a big circus sham um, that's not going anywhere, right? It, it, Damon, it's not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, Jenna Ellis was, was over at the office today. And, and she said the same thing. I don't. I don't think we have a disadvantage. No matter what, if 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 the attorneys want to speak 16 hours, they can. I don't think they are, and they're prepared to go through the weekend if needed. But I have a feeling this is going to be over over the weekend. And and what's funny is nobody's down here. Nobody's in front of the Capitol. We have 5,000 National Guards here. And nobody, nobody's out here. Nobody cares. As Anna said, no one cares. Yeah, you know, really I read. It. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I read, Anna, maybe you know this. I, there were some news reports that um, Antifa was thinking about coming to Washington, D.C., I believe last weekend. And I'm thinking to myself, there's 5,000 National Guard protecting the, um, the Capitol which as far as I'm concerned, you could take yellow crime tape and just wrap the whole damn thing in it, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> Did the crackpot mayor of Washington, D.C. ever reach out to the National Guard about protecting the city last weekend, I wonder? Does anybody know that? I mean, I'm sure if it were any other group that's, you know, a conservative group, they would be happy to reach out to them about that um, and make a huge circus out of that. But if it's Antifa, not a problem. We'll just let them roam free, do what they want, you know? So I I don't know if that, you know, if, the, if, if they actually yes. planned on doing anything about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, you know. Of course, you know, let's, that's a party of love and tolerance. Yeah, so. and, let's, and let's go back to the summertime. In the summertime, everything was boarded up, everything was closed up, and there was <laughs> everything was on fire. There's nothing going on now. There's nothing going on. I mean, there, there's not even traffic in the streets. It's it's peaceful. Yeah. True peaceful. Yeah, and I, I don't think they were boarding up because they thought that um, the old senile fool was going to win. I think they were boarding up because they thought that... Um, the president was going to get reelected. Um, and that's, of course, one of the parts of this impeachment as we're watching it. Show. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is there's not a courtroom anywhere in this country that would allow everything that's been allowed by the uh, Chief Justice of the United States. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Chief Justice is not presiding, of course, because it's a sham. I forgot. Patrick Leahy is presiding. Uh, there's not a court in America, I don't care who appointed the judge, whether it was Obama or Trump, that would allow any of this in. It would be all admissible, inadmissible in any real court. But yet here we are, day after day, drama, 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 videos edited by slick editors to make it look and this, that, and the other thing. And this is what we have to be um, exposed to every day. All right, so Harry and Anna are going to stick with us here on Harry's Corner. We've got, um, maybe we'll talk about what's good there at Harry's. We, you know, we're going to go to D.C. here eventually. We're going to have to go to Harry's. We've got to know what to order. And I don't know, Harry used to have popcorn in front of him that he, he didn't look like he really enjoyed too much when he was eating it, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know. Yeah, but but you notice it's gone now. He ate oh, it all. No, I I love the popcorn. Okay. The ribs, the bar burgers, the tater tops. We'll, we'll, we'll show them to you. I think it's tater tots, Harry, tops. but that's fine. <laughs> tater tops is good, too. God, oh, my no, God. He, he, he only eats the top of the, of, the, of the tater. We went from Dr. Ben Carson to Harry Oates. I mean, what's, what's going on here? All right, we'll get, back to, we'll get back to Harry Oates and Harry's place here in a second here. Let's do some news. Spanning the globe. Harry's thinking, why do I subject Ooh. myself to this every week? Oh, God. All right, let's do some news with... Uh, Rick Delgado, what's going on? All right. Well, one of the big stories today a lot of people are talking about is the uh, the firing of Gina Carano, former MMA star turned actress, uh, star, co-star of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Well, turns out the Disney company dropped the actress uh, from the hit series The Mandalorian today, Thursday, caving to the cancel campaign after the actress compared the current political climate to Nazi Germany on social media, but in what appears to be a corporate double standard, of course, her co-star Pedro Pascal has also conflated current politics with Nazi Germany and remains employed by the studio. The difference is that while Carano compared current democratic policies to the Nazis, Pascal likened the Trump administration to Germany's Third Reich. Of course, this is causing a big uproar. And while Gina Carano has espoused libertarian and right-leaning views on social media, Pascal has promoted his progressive ideology and West, uh, left-wing politics on Twitter. So, again, you know, cancel culture out and about doing its thing. They they tried to get her fired actually a few weeks ago. And then a big up, uprising on Twitter of people loving Gina Carano was spurred on, which I guess kept her around a little longer. But this time uh, Disney went out and just, uh, you know, did what they do. They cancel you if you don't think the way they do. Uh, speaking of cancel culture, out of wo- out of control, woke. Now, le- can I just ask yeah. a question here? I mean, everybody rails about cancel culture, right? Yeah. So what exactly is what exactly is everybody doing today with this? This story, aren't they trying to? Aren't they calling to everybody to cancel Disney? Yes. Okay. Well, turnabout is fair play. Gotcha. You know, if if you if you can exact a little bit of pain on them, then they understand what the heck they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, hit them in the pocketbook. Seems seems to work. Um, speaking of uh, out of control cancel culture, the out of control woke leftism and cancel culture from the U.S. Check this out is now being said to be a threat to France. 
because it attacks the nation's heritage and identity, French politicians and intellectuals say. Uh, they, along with other academics in France, have voiced concerns that the out-of-control leftism coming from the United, Stra- in the United States is threatening the French identity. They argue that the American ideas on race, gender, post-colonialism, especially those coming from U.S. universities, are undermining French society and are an attack on French heritage. The collection of intellectuals arguing that France is being contaminated by the leftism of America was buoyed on last year, uh, buoyed last year after French President Emmanuel Macron appeared to side with them. In a speech in October on the fight against separatism, Macron warned against leaving the intellectual debate to others as he cautioned that certain social science theories entirely imported from the United States. Um, can we go back to the Gina Carano thing for a second? Because sure. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire, um, I remember seeing this this morning. I didn't really look into the story, but I did see his tweet saying basically that, um, you know, this is a ridiculous firing. She compared our current, she says he com- she compared our current political environment to Nazi Germany. Dumb comparison. Fine. Grant you that. But anti-Semitic? How? The left has been making exactly this comparison. You could turn on MSNBC any morning for um, Joe and Mika, and you could see this throughout the morning. They've been making this exact comparison for four straight years. Completely ridiculous and indefensible mischaracterization of what she said. And then he, he went on further to say Lucasfilm sent out a statement accusing Gina Carano of, quote, denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities. He says, well, that's just a flat-out lie, straightforward defamation. She did absolutely no such thing. I hope she's preparing her lawsuit as we speak. So there you go. Until the hour, live from Studio 6B. We'll get back to um, Harry's, down in Harry's place in a second. But uh, right now, it's time to do sports. And here is that. It's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. And Gina Carano also should be noted is the daughter of former Dallas Cowboy court backup quarterback Glenn Carano from back in the 80s. Um, so Wow. I- <laughs> hey, I got to get my little Dallas in there. Come on. You know, you know what's amazing? He didn't have to look that up. No, he no I did not look that up. No, he's a big Dallas Cowboy fan. Yeah. Yes, I am. Uh, and let's go to the NCAA Men's Division One basketball. Light night tonight, Big D. Just two games in action. Um, Minnesota beat uh, Purdue earlier today, 71-68. to Travion Williams for Purdue Little scores with 24 points and 10 rebounds. And then the winning effort, uh, Minnesota Gof- Golden Gophers, Marcus Carr with 19 points. And USC visits Washington uh, at 10 o'clock tonight. We'll have a, well, we won't have that score. We'll have it score tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we won't. No, we, we won't. will not. Show will be over at 10 o'clock. That's unfortunately, correct. we're going to go yeah. to 11. Um, and we got uh, some NBA updates right now. Right at the half, Celtics lead the Raptors 66 to 56. Rockets over the Heat 46-41 in the second. And Pistons lead the Pacers right now, actually 40 uh, to 32. Magic at the Warriors and 76 is at the Trailblazers. Those both those games start at 10. Oh, you're 76ers. I'll be hey, my number one NBA Eastern Conference 76ers right now. <laughs> All right, fine. Have to rub it in. All right. We're watching that game tonight. Uh, NHL action. Panthers over the Lightning, 4-1 to one at the end of the second. Also end of the second. Islanders and Penguins in a good one. Tied 2-2. Two, two. End of the first. Red Wings over the and the Predators are tied at one. And uh, also at the end of the first. Senators and Jets 
nothing, nothing. I can picture Paul down in Florida at the bar right now uh, screaming to the bartender to put the Islanders game on. I know. As I, as I just went on to this segment, I got a text from Paul. I got to see what it is. It's an yeah. attachment. It's probably him uh, yelling at the bar. Probably him getting thrown out of the bar, probably. <laughs> yep. And uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Big D, kicked uh, off uh, earlier today. Ooh, Pebble Beach Pebble Golf Beach. Links. Spyglass Hill Golf Course and Monterey Peninsula Country Club. It's an extravaganza, three-headed monster at Pebble Beach, California. Uh, day one leader is Patrick Cantley. He shot a ten under for sixty-two. Wow, good day. That's ten right. under on Spyglass. Uh, big whoop. Good day. And uh, let's go to the rodeo, Dixie National Rodeo. This one's going to be six days long. Big day, Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi Coliseum, round one. Just three events on the board. Tie down roping. Hunter Heron in six point nine seconds led everybody for two thousand twenty four hundred and eighteen dollars. And uh, steer wrestling. Bridger Anderson in 3.8 seconds, 1884. He's pretty good, Bridger. I've seen him come up on a few of our reports with the steer wrestling. Quick. Okay. Anything under four seconds. And team roping, just getting underway shortly. I'll hope to have something in the next segment on that. Uh, Yahoo Sports reporting earlier today, Chris Suick, Tom Brady to undergo minor knee surgery after Super Bowl victory. <laughs> after falling out of the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. He went, from, he went from tequila Tom to tendonitis Tom. He's got to get that knee scope. Yeah. He, wasn't he, wasn't... Feel, he didn't know he had a knee problem last night, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, no, he felt no pain. No, no pain. No. Uh, maybe it wasn't the avocado tequila that caused Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady to have trouble walking during the team celebration Wednesday. Maybe Brady's injured knee was just acting up. Yeah, sure. Turns yeah. out Brady led the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl <laughs> victory despite battling a minor knee injury. Brady will have a surgery to correct the issue, which Bucks head coach, Bucks head coach Bruce Arians called a quote-unquote cleanup during the offseason. While Brady's surgery is deemed minor, it's worth pointing out he'll be 44 <laughs> next season. Knee surgery doesn't spell immediately doom for one of the greatest QBs of all time, but any surgery is going to be more of a concern considering Brady's age. Hey, my, hey Rick, is that is my that his... knee? I gotta get my knee fixed tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, was that his left knee? Uh, that would be his left knee. They didn't say in the report, well, but I'm fun. pretty sure yeah. that's the one that's got that. Uh, I guess he's got that copper knee wrap on. Yeah, there. I, saw, I saw the wrap. <laughs> it's my right one, guys. It's yeah. my right one. <laughs> Uh, just and one more guy's moving on from he that. Wrote it, he wrote in Sharpie. This is the one. <laughs> that is the one. Tequila Tom Boy, oh boy. Hey, good for him. He deserves it, man. What a champion. Let him oh, party. And he, and he took it straight on, too. The, the Texas, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Great. He, he is a class act through and through. Um, and I'm sorry I bet against him, Big D. You're right, man. Never go against Tom, don't give against Tom for Brady. Uh, well, I, and, I, no, I think more it's don't go against me, Rick. Yeah, well, Big D, you are you are really good. I gotta tell you, you know you know your stuff, pal. No question about it. Your basketball, eh, but I, <laughs> hey, yard barkers. Tokyo's Olympics president Yoshiro Mori to resign following sexist comments. This is by Blake Harper, uh, updated earlier today. Tokyo Olympics president Yoshiro Mori is reportedly set to resign due to sexist comments he made regarding women being too talkative and competitive during meetings. And here's a quote: When one of them raises a hand, they probably think. Think they have to say something too, and then everyone says something. Maury said when asked why there were so few women on the Japanese committee, unbelievable. Maury oh quickly God. faced backlash for his comments, with many arguing that he made harmful generalizations about women uh, rather than take ownership of the committee's bl- lack of female representation. He tried to apologize for his comments once public sentiment seemingly turned on him. This. 
This is another quote. The statement made at the Japan Olympic Committee was an inappropriate expression, contrary to the spirit of Olympics and Paralympics, Maury said. I am deeply remorseful. I would like to withdraw the statement. I would like to he apologize <laughs> for any unpleasant meetings. You should have told him he was out with Brady the night before. <laughs> yeah, too much sake. <laughs> I was with Tom. I didn't know what I was saying. Exactly. And uh, Tempora Tom would be his name for that one. Yeah. And uh, despite the apology, Maury insisted that he would not resign for the comments. However, it appears that has changed. Mori is now expected to step down on Friday. Saburo Kababuchi, uh, a former president of the Japan Football Association, will take over for Mori's duties. And let me tell you, those Olympics are highly in jeopardy because the entire country of Japan predominantly does not think that the Olympics should move forward because of the COVID-19 and all the postponements. So we'll keep an eye on that. That's going to be uh, it's going to be big in the summer this year. Maybe we'll do a road trip to the uh, Japan, Big D, for the Olympics. Yeah, you let me know how it goes. Um, <laughs> all right, 57 minutes to the hour. Thanks, Rick. A uh, couple minutes left here. Uh, let's go back to Harry's place um, oh, in Washington, D.C. Maybe, possibly. There oh, there's Harry. Oh, look at this. Oh, Ben Berkwam from Real America's Voice is, 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 is hanging out at Harry's place. Nice. He just showed up. I'm just eating popcorn, guys. I'm just, I came for the popcorn. Well, you you know, you've probably got a better show. Well, I don't know. What's a better show? What's going on at Harry's there, Ben, or what's going on in the Senate this week? You've got a circus there, and it looks like you got quite the circus behind you there at Harry's uh, place. Two circuses. Definitely, definitely what's happening. De- yeah, definitely what's happening at Harry's. I would not. I, what, so I, this is my thing. I feel bad watching what's happening in the Senate. I feel bad for the officers, especially the officer that lost his life. And the janitor that got stuck in the closet and the people that the the staffers that had to hide under the tables. But these sanctimonious, self-righteous politicians that uh, that finally have to live in the real world while they're sending illegal aliens into our communities and victimizing our communities and sending Antifa and BLM to terrorize our communities. Watching the tears come out of Swalwell's eyes saying that he had to call his wife. And I was just thinking. Were there tears when you told her that you were cheating on her with a Chinese spy? I, you know, the whole thing, it just makes me sick. So the, 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 the whole how you really feel. Yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, come well, on, yeah. tell us. Um, speaking of. So no, Harry's is much better. Yeah. You know, speaking of, um, and of course, obviously, our thoughts and prayers go out to Officer Sidnick's family and, and, and all of that. But. Um, Amen. There Amen. is a, um, there's quite the story still surrounding his death. There was this article in Revolver, which I've been meaning to get to now for two days. And there was actually an article, believe it or not, hell must have frozen over on, C- on CNN about the fact that they cannot um, right. come up with a cause of death yet. Right. Well, and, and the, you know, the interesting thing about that is they spent two days wall to wall with a fake story saying that, you know, and again, no, it doesn't matter how, how he died. Obviously, if it was involved, if it was uh, related to January 6th, uh, they need to be held accountable. Anyone that was involved with, with his death needs to be held accountable. But the fact that it was, you know, they ran with this story before they had the evidence. It's just like they ran with the impeachment before they had the evidence. And that's what we're seeing now. It's just. Yeah. It's, All right. It's ben Berkwam, Harry Oates, uh, hang tight. We'll be back with them. Hour two coming up live from Studio 6B from Harry's Place. Glad you're in on a Thursday night. A lot more to do. 
More popcorn, more fun. Coming up. They're going to... Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. Rick Delgado's going to do some news. Rick Amorati's got more sports coming up. Geo Fran holding it down. We had Dr. Ben Carson in hour one. He was just fantastic. His new um, think tank, I guess, is maybe the proper word. Uh, the American Cornerstone Institute. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter. Um, I'm following them now. Of course, I don't have their name in front of me, but uh, online, American, just Google American Cornerstone Institute, and it'll all come up. Um, and Faith, Liberty, Community, Life, four great um, cornerstone, I guess. So what would you call that, G? Kind of their four um, core values that they're going to... Um, yeah, tenets, principles. Yeah, I guess they're, yeah. uh, they're four cornerstones, four corners. There you go. Um so he was great. Just an honor to have him on the show. I mean, to listen to someone, you know, I brought up the example to him about the gentleman from, I think it was Nebraska yesterday. I don't, re- I don't have it in front of me, but said, I watched the show with your two, my two teenage daughters. And that really stuck with me because to think that um, watching a political show these days, all, all these kids from the time they start going to school are exposed to is... Um, well, most of what you find in the 1619 Project, that the country's not that great, that it was, f- that it was founded on racism, that, it, it, that it's systemically broken, that it's in all of our DNA, that it can't be fixed, um, and there's not all that much redeeming about it, and still not. And then they, you know, and that's what, like, you heard Dr. Ben Carson, he said it's almost pornography what's going on some of the, in some of these books that's going on in these classrooms. You have got to be involved um, with your kids in this, especially, especially on the most basic level when they start talking about, you know, whatever their beginning social studies or whatever, civics, and when they get into these, you know, talk, you got to talk to them about what makes this country so great because they're just not taught it anymore. They're taught it that it just, it's never been, it, Joe Biden said it, right? We've never lived up to our ideals. Right. It was, America was an idea. But it's never lived up to it. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a garbage take on, on this country. It has the most magnificent, beneficent citizenry. Um, our Constitution is the greatest document ever created. And it's unique to us. God-given rights, individualism, pro- uh, private property rights. I mean, they don't learn anything about any of this. Not only that, as a nation, we're the most giving of any nation. I defy you to find any nation that gives more to charity than this one. We, we lead the world in that. So that needs to be addressed as well and, and made sure. And, and you know what? I got to say, I think parents today are seeing this kind of 
garbage coming out of the left and, and some of the stuff coming out of the schools because all through the summer, whenever I saw kids riding bikes, I saw a lot of them with American flags or Trump flags. And it was it kind of caught me by surprise because here are these kids, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, riding their bikes around. Yep. And they've got flags on them. And, and you know what? That, that kind of was like, hey, maybe we are going in the right direction. Maybe the parents are saying, you know what? Don't believe everything you see on TV. You know, things are good. You know, things are getting better. Look, look at look at what, uh, you know, as far as uh, as far as your community is doing and see how your friends are, you know, and kind of push that positive message. The, the negative, you know, Joe Biden, liberal Democrat of the, uh, this country stinks doesn't fly with a lot of people. Because, again, it, this is it's like they're talking about your house. If somebody walks into your house and starts insulting it, you're probably going to kick them out or never invite them back. So, I mean, I think if we address it like that, to say, hey, you know what? You should be proud because look at, what, look at all we can do. Look at, look at Team USA, whether it's in sports, whether we do this, whether we're going there. Look at, you can look across the spectrum. And there are so many great things about the country that I just don't think gets enough publicity you know, out there in, in the public. But I think in the smaller settings, especially around the, the dinner table. Yeah. is really important. All right, let's do some news, and then we'll get back to Harry's place here. Uh, here with the news is Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right, well, you know, we were, we were talking about the Gina Carano thing, and we didn't get to the specifics of the tweet. Did you want to jump into that? No. Okay, so we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to another fighter, shall we? This one is named Matt Gates. He's from Florida. He's one of our favorites. Uh, well, Matt Gates is taking on uh, a, a little guy named Kinzinger. Yes, in a Twitter feud, GOP Representative Matt Gates out of Florida, one of former President Trump's top supporters in the House, is trading fire on Twitter with Representative Adam Kinzinger, another Republican, but he being one of Trump's biggest critics. The spat began on Wednesday when Gates tweeted about uh, tweeted for Kinzinger to bring it after the congressman from Illinois specifically mentioned Gates as a potential target for a newly formed political action committee, (laughs) which will challenge Republican lawmakers who continue to embrace Trump. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with the third party I'm hearing about now, filled filled with um, Bush uh, types and... um, Lincoln Project types. Okay, yeah. great. Get, but get back to me on that, how that goes. <laughs> Pointing to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol by right-wing extremists and other Trump supporters to uh, unsuccessfully disrupt the congressional certification of the Electoral College victory over Trump, Kinzinger said earlier this month in a video announcing his new Country First pack that this this is no time for silence. Not after the last month, not after the last few years. Someone needs to tell the truth. Kinzinger was one of only 10 House Republicans to vote last month to impeach President Trump, said this week that his PAC would specifically target House Republicans who have promoted Trump's unsubstantiated claims of 2020 election fraud. You look at people like Matt Gates. Who know better, Kinzinger told the Washington Post, responding to Kinzinger, an Air Force veteran and current lieutenant colonel in the Air Force National Guard, uh, who served two tours of duty in Iraq. Gates tweeted, Adam is a patriot who fought for America from northwest Florida. He will o- we will always appreciate and honor his service. Now he wants to target my my America first politics, referring to me by name. My response, effing bring it, Gates responded. Kinzinger responded to Gates' tweet with a gif from the popular 80s movie from Top Gun. Well, he also said, Kinzinger needs PACs to win elections. I don't. That was at the end of that tweet. Yeah. 
Uh, I was I was going to get to that. <laughs> Kinzinger, who was the first elect, who was first elected to Congress as part of the conservative Tea Party wave back in 2010, has lamented that today's Republican Party is not the one I joined. The future of the GOP is on the line. He emphasized as he launched his pack. And yes, getting back to the uh, the tweet, uh, he said Adam needs packs to win elections. I don't. So there you have it. The yeah. the the feud within the family, as they say. Well, as he said, uh, Adam Kinzinger is an American patriot and um, went to war, went to fight for this country. There's no doubt about that. Um, politically, though, he's a disaster and has been. And I and I don't really know if he's from Illinois. Maybe he's hanging out with the governor there too much. But I just he's just one of these. Just doesn't know what he's up against when it comes to Pelosi and Schumer. None of them. Nancy Mace, all, all of these. It's, oh, we're going to be different. We're going to get along. We're going to. They're going to roll over you like there's no one's business. So start either get on, you know, get on board and start. You got to play hardball here, or you're just lost in the middle somewhere. Well, it, it, you know, what was surprising to hear that he was a he started out as a Tea Party uh, Republican and. As you can see, the 10 years in the House, I guess, changes things. Uh, speaking of more things going on in Congress, Lindsey Graham, believe it or not, uh, is speaking up regarding the impeachment. Lindsey Graham said the not guilty vote is growing. And he emphasized by saying, what did Pelosi know and when did she know it? Mm. Senator Lindsey Graham is making the rounds on shows, getting the evidence out there in regards to the impeachment to counter a lot of the spin which Democrats have been engaging in. We reported yesterday on how he told President Donald Trump that the case was essentially over because he didn't see Republicans convicting based on where they were on the constitutionality and based on the facts of the case. Yeah. Appearing on Fox with Sean Hannity. Unless you're the guy from Louisiana who just votes for who he thinks did a better job that day. He liked their suits better. (laughs) Uh, Showing up on Fox with Sean Hannity, he also... uh, took apart the Democrats' case, refuting it with the evidence that Democrats didn't bother to look for, blindly voting to impeach President Donald Trump on snap impeachment. The not guilty vote is growing after today. I think most Republicans found the representation by the House managers offensive and absurd, uh, Graham declared. He also questioned why these House managers were when he... Senator Susan Collins and others were being threatened in the past. He said, I don't remember any of these house managers saying a damn thing when they were trying to break into my house or go after Susan Collins and spitting on all of us. If this is a problem for a politician to give a speech that President Trump did, well, then Kamala Harris has a real problem because she actively engaged in bailing out rioters, he said. He, and, and here's what I would suggest. If you're a politician trying to raise bail for people accused of rioting, you're inciting more riots. And uh, again, that was from his interview with uh, Sean Hannity on Fox. Yeah. I mean, this thing is um, getting to the point where it's hard to even talk about, at least for me, because it's just such a joke. There's no, I mean, it's just a joke. The idea, as I said yesterday, that the president was plotting this for weeks and months and, and we just weren't listening. And then you play Mark Meadows on Maria Bartiromo saying, well, the president offered up 10,000 National Troop, National Guard troops and was rejected. Um, and then we're, we're to think, so it's like, check your brain cells at the door when you're talking with the Democrats. Now we're supposed to believe that that same president was plotting as he's offering up national guard troops to help. He's also plotting secretly, um, 
to incite violence against those same troops. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it makes no sense. It flies in the, it, it's basically the, the Democrats, you know, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you actually hear. Just believe what we tell you. Here's our interpretation. And uh, that's, uh, I guess, you know, talking about what Lindsey Graham is seeing, you know, because he's seeing everything, he's going through it all. He thinks that the, you know, well, they did take the, the early vote. You know, he knows they don't have the votes going into this thing. So the whole well, the Democrats, the Democrats don't care about that. They're right. putting on a show here. I mean, every single. I mean, is is there anyone who's watched any of this nonsense who can tell me what evidence has actually been brought forward? What evidence that would be admissible in a court? What evidence has tied Trump to those people? What evidence has tied Trump to that event? What evidence do we have of him inciting insurrection? Insurrection, by the way, doesn't look a whole lot like that. And, and by the way, I heard the great one ask this question. If you're planning insurrection like we're, we're heard uh, the president's been planning for weeks and months, why, why the 6th? Why not the 5th, the 4th, the 1st? Why not November 5th? Why not December 5th? Why do you wait till January 6th if you're planning insurrection to take over the government? The, 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 the 6th. Why the 6th? Why not the first? Why not any other day? It's just nonsense. Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. On a Thursday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. If you haven't followed us on social media, at LFS6B on Twitter, on Facebook, Rumble. Make sure you follow us there as well. There you go. 6bshirts.com, man. It's crazy town and live from Studio 6B shirts are flying out of there. There's still some left. 6bshirts.com if you want to uh, rep the show. Those crazy town shirts look pretty good. People love them. I've got no complaints on any other than the fact that, uh, unfortunately, the company we're using, and some of this stuff's not made in the USA, which is not my favorite, but there's nothing I can do unless we find someone else. And, of course, it's just starting from scratch. So uh, that's the one complaint that I have and other people have had. But the stuff looks good. So um, Rick will have more sports. Geo Fran holding it down. Um Harry's at Harry's place, but I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Gee, are they, is Harry there or is he? Oh, he's back with them. Okay. Uh, so let's go back to Harry's place. Um, I guess Ben Berkwam's not there anymore. Okay. All right. Back to um, Harry hey, Oates no, here. Ben Berkwam's not here. It's ben Berkwam had it. A... <laughs> well, go ahead, Harry. Ben Berkwam had a what? <laughs> Oh, he's got an early shoot tomorrow morning, so he left. 
Okay. Okay, very good. Um, it was funny, Harry, that Ben just happened to pop in on the night that, we're, uh, that you're at Harry's, Harry's place. So that was um, good timing. You know what? Not, not only did Ben pop in, a, if, I can get my, if I can get my cameraman to go wide here, there, there is, I mean, obviously everybody's socially distanced, but they, they can't let anybody else in the place. Hey, Parker? Harry, that's not Nancy Pelosi behind you at that table, is it? Uh, the gr- person just sat down in, no, in, in no, front of her. But it looks it kind of looks like her from uh, from a distance. But keep going, keep take, going. Take, yeah, you almost got it perfect. Yeah. Okay, I see it. I see that it's, we're still on the TV at least for to pick now. Up again, thank God. Yeah. Okay. Well, Harry's looks good. Let's. Oh, you're in that TV, and TV's in front of us too. Okay, very good. It looks good there at Harry's. So. Um, <laughs> I don't need. We don't need to see him. Zoom in. We'll have the perpetual zoom in here at Harry's. Though. So, um, yeah. All right. So, um, so, so, Damon, you asked about the food. So yeah. I, I spoke to the owner. You okay. asked about the food. I spoke to the owner, and, and, and who's a great guy, by the way. Great, amazing guy. Takes care of us when we're down here, and he, he's been here for over thirty years. But he said. The two most popular items here on the menu are the burgers and the baby back ribs, and they're from Denmark. He brings them in from Denmark. Okay. All right. So if you're uh, in the D.C. area, well, I'm sure you've all been to Harry's, but get down to Harry's and try the ribs or the burgers and um, say hi to Harry, our Harry, if you're there tonight, because Harry and Anna are there. So, Anna, you must be up on this Gina Carano Disney Plus um, Deal. I don't. I don't watch the um, whatever show she's on. I hear it's pretty good. I hear some people say it's the best um, Star Wars or whatever that they've seen. I guess it's more of a series than it is one particular. Obviously, like a movie, but it's more of a series. But are you up on this uh, Gina Carano thing? Yeah, well, I was reading about it, but I, I'm not a big Mandalorian fan myself, but it is concerning that they're, you know, partaking in all the cancel culture stuff, so at Disney+, Plus, I saw that it was trending on Twitter, so um, cancel Disney+, Plus, or, or sorry, stop your Disney+, Plus subscription, and I mean, it's... I'm here. I mean, it, it's the same cancel culture stuff we've been seeing for a while, and it's just, it's hard to watch because it's like the only thing we can really do is not participate in it by unsubscribing to things like Disney Plus. But yeah, um, it's a shame, you know. Now my I, mean, other I heard she was uh, she just didn't like call out Black Lives Matter or something. It wasn't even like she said anything controversial. Yeah, well, we were talking about it in the show, and Gio disagreed with us. At least he said he disagreed kind of on, on I guess, what she was saying. Or, gee, you, you disagree. You thought what she said was... Um, I just thought that a particular piece of information was missing in the comparison to her uh, and her co-star. What she tweeted about was not just comparing the country to Nazi Germany, but more specifically comparing herself being a conservative as to a like to being a Jew during the Holocaust, which is, I think, a lot different than uh, what some of the outlets are saying. Okay. 
All right. So, I mean, I haven't seen it, what she actually said in writing. So I, I'm going by all of this hearsay. But um, you all seem to make good points. So we'll have to we'll uh, look into it, I guess, more and follow up on the story. But I guess she's gone. And now people are all pissed off at Disney Plus or whatever. So um, a couple of other things here. Anna or Harry, whoever's up on this. Um, more and more information. And, of course, our own John Solomon was on this from the start that this January 6th, we're getting more and more information that law enforcement, the FBI, really had a significant amount of red flags to, um, to really be on top of this. And it sounds like Mark Meadows says the president offered up troops. It sounds like um, possibly Nancy Pelosi and, and, and uh, Mitch McConnell were told, hey, you better get some things in place. This might be bigger than any of us are thinking. And it sounds like they were very dismissive of that. What's your take? I'll start with Anna. What's your take right now on the fact that law enforcement, at least right now, is possibly, you could say, kind of dropped the ball here? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit confusing, but it's also not surprising. I mean, I don't know if they're actually going to have a formal investigation into this, but there is a lot to back this up. I mean, John Solomon obviously has been following the story for a while, but it's just kind of been insane the way that all of this evidence has come out and not a lot of, you know, outlets have been talking about it either. Yeah. Really just the news has been probably one of the better outlets on covering, following this. Yeah. And and we we've, we've been here we've been hearing now since right after the the really starting the seventh that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were informed that there, there could be some violence and the president we heard did ask do you want the National Guard down there and and they said they really didn't want to have that that illusion that appearance on on a you know and and that and that and that's what you know so and look what happened it was you know and then afterwards. They bring in 25,000 troops. There's an article in the New York Post uh, entitled Law Enforcement Failed to Act on Intel Ahead of the Capitol Riot. And this goes to a lot of um, what we're talking about, what John Solomon has been reporting on as well. And it, and, it, and it describes it as a sprawling network of federal and local law enforcement across the U.S., that is designed to stave off threats like this failed to protect the Capitol on January 6th because officials did not act on intelligence that had been gathered prior to the riot, a report said on Monday. The intelligence included warnings from federal local law enforcement fusion centers across the country that warned of protesters traveling to D.C. with weapons, citing internal documents viewed by the newspaper. And when I read that, traveling with weapons, I, I continue to go back to, and Harry, you know this made me better than anybody. When you see this on the 6th, and you think about all the Trump rallies that we have covered, and you think about what you saw on the 6th on TV, first thing I said to myself was, well, who are these people? These, these are not the people that go to that go to see the president speak. We've done a hundred plus, if not 200 of these rallies. These people are not, though. We got to find out who these people are before we start painting with a broad brush 
When we get back, I'll ask you for your answer on that. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. More to do from Harry's Place. More sports coming up. Do it when we get back right after this. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b real america's voice on a thursday night we'll get back to um harry's place possibly the delay tonight in harry's place g i don't know what the deal is but it's just it's almost unworkable the, the delay between what he's hearing me and and me hearing him if i had some control over it i would uh, <laughs> do something just, about it i'm not accusing i'm just say stating it's it's tonight seems to be different so all right let's do some quick news couple of interesting things going on the snowball is starting to gather a little steam down the hill here. That we've had enough snow here in New York. Um, so what's going on with this story, Rick uh, Delgado? Well, it turns out that uh, Governor Cuomo could be uh, starting to feel the heat. And like you mentioned, there's a, a tide turning. Cuomo's aide admits they hid nursing home data. Oops. So the feds wouldn't find out. Hmm. Oops. That sounds peculiar. Oh. Raise, raise your hand if you're shocked. No, <laughs> no, nobody. Raise your hand, though, if you're happy no. this is coming out. Yes. Yeah. Give yourself an Emmy. Uh, Governor Cuomo's top aide privately apologized to Democratic lawmakers for withholding the state's nursing home death toll from COVID-19, telling them we froze out of fear the true numbers would be used against us by federal prosecutors. The Post has learned Uh, the stunning admission of a cover up was made by secretary to the governor, Melissa DeRosa, during a video conference call with state Democratic leaders in which she said the Cuomo administration had rebuffed the legislative request for the tally in August because right around the same time, then President Donald Trump turns into a giant political football, according to an audio recording of the two-hour-plus meeting. He starts tweeting that we killed everyone in nursing homes, DeRosa said. He starts going after Murphy, starts going after Newsom, starts going after Gretchen Whitmer. In addition to attacking Cuomo's fellow Democratic governors, DeRosa said Trump directs the Department of Justice to do an investigation of us. And basically we froze, she told the lawmakers, because then we were in a position where we weren't sure if what we were going to do was to give the, the Department of Justice uh, or what we would give to you guys, what we would start saying, what, what was it going to be used against us while we were at. We weren't sure if that was going to be an investigation. DeRosa added that played a very large role into this. After dropping the bombshell, DeRosa asked for a little bit of appreciation of the context and offered what appears to be the Cuomo administration's first apology for its handling of nursing home deaths amid the pandemic. But instead of a mea culpa to the grieving family members of more than 13,000 dead seniors or the critics who say the health department spread COVID-19 in the care facilities with a March 25th state health department directive that nursing homes admit infected patients, DeRosa tried to make amends with fellow Democrats for the political inconvenience it has cost them. So we do apologize, she said. I do understand the position you were put in. I know this is not fair. It is not our intention to put you in that political position with Republicans. Assembly Health Committee Chair 
Chairman Richard Gottfried immediately rejected DeRose's expression of, of remorse, according to the recording. I don't have enough time today to explain all the reasons why I don't give any give that any credit at all, said Gottfried, one of the lawmakers who demanded the death toll data in August. State Senate Aging uh, Committee Chairwoman Rachel May, who was battered during her re-election bid last year over the issue of nursing home deaths, also ripped into DeRosa, saying her former opponent had launched another broadside earlier in the day. And in a, in a pandemic, when, when you want the public to trust the public health officials and there is clear feeling that they're not, they're not coming, being forthcoming with you, that is really hard and it remains difficult, she said. This is a um, this is a stunning admission, and another. This is really going to be the opening of a new chapter of this dummy's book, and that's going to be when the truth starts coming out on what a horrifically bad job he did, from this order back in March to now what's clearly a cover up, now clearly an admission. Go back to that opening line. What she said. In this article, basically, what we did it because of what? Uh, let's see. Uh, we were afraid that the uh, federal prosecutors would use it against us. Okay, so I'll, any of any attorneys who watch this show right now, what I want to know is, does the governor have any criminal exposure to the order and now to this cover-up? Um, any exposure, maybe civilly or criminally, I guess civilly, I would think he does. But is there any criminal um, exposure on this nursing home order? And certainly on this, this admission, this is a stunning admission. These are people's lives. People died. People lost parents. And these guys are playing hide the ball with the numbers because they're a... This is stunning. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, I wonder how Dr. Fauci feels. Uh, yeah. Governor Cuomo did, you know, uh, how everything worked out for Governor Cuomo in New York during the pandemic, because he seemed to have a glowing um, recollection of how things went. I wonder if he still thinks that. It'd be interesting to find out. In, in addition to stonewalling lawmakers on the total number of nursing homes, uh, residents killed by COVID-19. The Cuomo administration also refused requests from the news media, including the New York Post, and fought a freedom of information lawsuit filed by the Empire Center on Public Policy. Instead, it only disclosed data on the number of residents who died in the nursing homes. And of course, uh, we recall, I think it was last week or so, uh, that we learned Attorney General Latita James had filed a damning report about the estimation of the deaths and attributed those to uh, to the governor. Yeah. Um, gee, is Harry um, Harry back, or are they still getting the audio problems? Oh, all right. So let's go back to Harry's in D.C. Um, I had a question for them. Of course, I don't even remember what it is at this point, because now we are talking about Andrew Cuomo in the nursing home and this unbelievable admission um, oh, so, okay. So, yes, thank you, G. So, but, Harry, I can't hear you. There's no audio coming from Harry. I said I just saw that alert. Is that okay, better? there you are. Um, so, back to my question, Harry. You covered be probably 200 rallies all over the country. 
did you ever see an inkling of violence? Did you ever see a scintilla of evidence that people were um, ever left a rally or ever got violent or ever got angry or motivated or left there with, did you ever hear anything? Let me give you an example. Something like, did you ever hear the president ever say something like, you listen here, Gorsuch, you listen here, Kavanaugh, you won't know what hit you uh, when you make these decisions. That was Chuck Schumer in front of the Supreme Court. Did you ever hear the president say anything like that in any of these rallies? Never, ever, ever, ever. There was never any violence. There was tens of thousands of people at these rallies, even when we scaled down to the small airports. And there was never, ever, ever any issues from anybody that was there. There were a few occasions where we had some crazy liberals that would come in and, and try to boo the president down. And you know what? People just pointed at him, and it was on camera, and said, please remove him. The police would come over and remove that person out. And that was maybe one out of every 12 rallies, and it wasn't any Trump people. It obviously were yeah. people that infiltrated, you know, in, into the arena or uh, the airport. I mean, the double standard is astounding here. Like, you look at Maxine Waters or any of these people who have said terrible things about Trump supporters. I think Kamala Harris went on uh, Ellen the other day and said horrible things about Trump, and or Pence, I think, and about what she would do if she saw Pence in an elevator or something along the lines of that. And it's just incredibly violent. You know, it's the type of thing you wouldn't see on the right. You never see that kind of thing on the right because it's not acceptable. I mean, the backlash conservatives would receive for saying the same thing. It's just, it's it unbelievable. Was, these people are there for God, their country, and the president. You know, they're family-loving people that went to these rallies. The kids, they were probably, certainly were at the arenas, you know, where there were 20,000 people. There were probably 30% were, 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 were schools with kids and, and families bringing their children. It was amazing. You know, and that was obviously pre-COVID of all the kids that would come to go see their president. That's how yeah. it was. And if you're going to get upset at rhetoric, I guess you could say, then, okay, let's hold everybody the, to the same standard. Why does there have to be a difference? Why do we have to tolerate what Ilhan Omar says about Jews and get mad at Trump for saying, oh, yeah, go to a rally, you know, support freedom. You know, it's not his fault that anything that that happened. I, I just think it's... It was not his fault because yeah. if you watch the timeline on America's Voice that day... And we're putting together a little documentary from the, the morning to Ben Berkwam at the rally to Ben Berkwam interviewing people on the floor, you know, uh, of that peaceful rally that happened on January 6th. Even when they were charging into the Capitol, and again, whoever they were, right, left, independent, Republican, Democrat, I don't care who they were, they deserve to be put away and locked up. Ben's interviewing peaceful people, families. It was crazy that 500 people, what happened that day was terrible and, 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 and uncalled of, but, but it was overall, the, the 100,000 people that were here, it was quiet. It, 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 it's just, I, I don't know, there's no words well, of Anna how that day changed. Anna brings up the best point, and that is that... Um like what I just said, what Chuck Schumer said in front of the Supreme Court, which, by the way, th there was, when he said that, that was so egregious, if you remember, the Chief Justice, of course, who won't take part in this sham, had to come out and issue a statement 
about Chuck Schumer saying that 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 wasn't acceptable. He actually came out and had to address it personally. You have Maxine Waters who goes to the that event. I don't know if it was what it was. She says, I got so much energy, I'll go take Trump out tonight. You have the Ellen DeGeneres that um, Anna just referenced when Kamala Harris was on there. That was actually it was before she, she was, was still just a senator. And Ellen says to her, you're in a who would you rather be in an elevator with? Mike Pence. Um, who are, and she names three people, whoever, Donald Trump, Mike Pence or Tucker Carlson. I don't know who she said. And she says to her, does anybody have to come out alive? And then cackles. And they all think it's the best, funniest thing in the world because, of course, they're Democrats and they can do that. Um, I saw Steve Bannon today play a tape. I mean, to, to have Jamie Raskin be the head manager of this impeachment when he stood up four years ago and said, oh, no, no, no. We need to recount these, Vice President Biden. I object to the certification. I object. So how do we know all the violence we saw on the day Trump took office wasn't due to Jamie Raskin? How do we know he didn't incite anybody? So it's just, it's just, you're absolutely right about the hypocrisy, Anna. Um, it's just, and the irony of all of this. And it's, but it's good to know all the Democrats care about the Constitution the last two days. Isn't, it, isn't that interesting to see how much they love it now when it works yes, for them? Yes, they're constitutional scholars. Yes. Yeah. They, don't even, they don't even know yeah. the Constitution. Attorneys. They're all, yes, they're all constitutional they attorneys and textualists. They're yeah, all worried sure. about what the words say. Unless they're trying to get a Supreme Court justice in that's nominated from Trump, then textualism is a bad thing. So, All right, well, Harry and Anna right, right. and Ben... Uh, another great edition of Harry's Corner. Thank you all for joining us. And um, Thank you. Maybe we'll get some more guests to just kind of pop in, Harry, every week. You never really know, right? Who's going to be there? I'm, 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 I'm getting a lot of texts from a lot of people, including some people from the Trump campaign, asking when we're going to be here next. So okay. They all want to, they're all watching and they're saying they want to come down. So it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks. All right. Very good. Uh, Harry and Anna from Harry's Place in D.C. Live from Studio 6B. More sports. We'll wrap it up when we get back on a Thursday night. Live from Studio 6B, 13 till the hour. Time to do a little more sports. And here with that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Just one more update from the Dixie National Rodeo in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, team roping, which uh, got underway a little bit earlier right now. Rhett Anderson and Cullen Teller had 4.7 seconds lead, all, lead the pack right now. Um, NBA action, the uh, Celtics 105-95 over Toronto. That game's just about ready to wrap. Kyle Rowley has uh, 24 points for the trailing Toronto. Uh, Rockets right now trail Miami Heat 80 to 70. Jimmy Buckets Butler with 21 points right now for for the uh, Heat, and uh, we got the Pacers and the Pistons uh, 82 to 70. Pacers leading. Sabonis with 22 for Indiana. NHL action right now. Islanders Penguins going to a shootout right now as we speak. It's three to three. Pittsburgh scored a late goal to tie that game up, and the Panthers right now are taking care of the Lightning. Just about the uh, end of the third period, there they're up five to two, and Predators and Red Wings tied two two at the end of the second. Jets lead the Senators three nothing end of the second. 
Oilers right now leading the Canadians 2 0. That's also at the end of the second. And uh, Blackhawks over the Blue Jackets 3 2. And Hurricanes 1 0. That's early over the Stars. Uh, speaking of the Toronto Raptors, who are losing right now, the Toronto Raptors, the Raptors are going to continue playing home games in Tampa, Florida for the rest of the season. Tim Bontemps at ESPN reports the Raptors will continue to play home games in Tampa, Florida for the rest of the 2021 NBA season, citing border restrictions and being mindful of public safety measures in Toronto, as fact is preventing them from returning home to play at any point this season. This was made made announced earlier today. Initially, it was only supposed to be a few games, Big D, but they're, they're going to be you know south of the border for uh, quite a time, uh, not being in kid. Canada. So it's been tough, but they're making the best of it. They said they did say, hey, we're in a city of champions. You know, you have what the what the Buccaneers did. And, uh, you know, also in baseball, they had a really good year as well. Um, so we'll see. And then, of course, the Lightning, they won the cup this year, right? So it's a, it is a city of champions. So they're hoping that'll rub off on them. And just one more story, Big D. This one kind of went viral. Australian Open ESPN News Services reported from Melbourne, Australia, that Rafael Nadal shrugged off some heckling from a spectator before beating American qualifier Michael Moe, 6-1, 6-4, in the second round of the Australian Open earlier today. Nadal was serving for the second set at 5-4 when a woman yelled out and made hand gestures as he prepared to serve. Hurry up, you OCDF, you know the rest. The woman was heard <laughs> shouting as Nadal went through his familiar pre-service routine. The disruption continued with the woman in question then sticking her middle finger up at the 34-year-old as she yelled at uh, again at 30 to nothing, and then she was immediately escorted out of the Rod, Rod Laver arena. Now, this is tennis, and, you know, this is normally not seen and surely not tolerated. Um, you know, Nadal, he kind of got a laugh. You know, he said uh, maybe she took too much gin or tequila. He says, I don't know, but honestly, it was a strange situation. But yeah, funny at the same time. And yeah. he said, they asked, do you know the woman? He goes, no, and I uh, would rather not. <laughs> the microphones picked her up saying she was out with Brady the night before. <laughs> <laughs> Tequila Tom. So, yeah. so, Tom, uh, is, Tom is affected things all over the world. Yeah, he's from, an inspiration uh, for yeah. inebriation. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly and that's right. a rapid sports big thing. All right, what else is going on in the news, Rick? All right, well, this one coming out of uh, Just the News, uh, John Solomon's site, of course, justthenews.com. Twitter is now taking action, you guessed it, against, uh, against another popular person they don't agree with, Project Veritas. And James O'Keefe have been shut down. The Project Veritas account has been suspended, and none of the account's posts are currently visible. Twitter has taken this action against the accounts of both Project Veritas and the organization's founder, James O'Keefe. The Project Veritas account being suspended, and while O'Keefe's account is still visible on the platform, it appears that some of his recent tweets are shown as no longer available, and there have been... Not been any tweets on the account as of Thursday. Wow, Twitter just locked down James O'Keefe uh, said account for report. Uh, I should say Twitter locked down James O'Keefe and Project Veritas account for reporting on Facebook VP Guy Rosen and his statements that Facebook freezes comments in places that algorithms think they may be hate speech. Project Veritas wrote on Facebook. Uh, screenshots that Project Veritas shared in the Facebook post showed messages from Twitter stating that Project Veritas and James O'Keefe ran afoul of the rules against posting private information. You may not publish or post other people's private information without their express authorization and permission, the Twitter notices state. 
And uh, Facebook VP of Integrity Guy Rosen can be heard in a leaked video saying we have a system that is able to freeze commenting on threads in case in cases where our systems are detecting that there may be a thread of hate speech or violence. These are all things that we've built over the past three or four years as part of our investments into the integrity space, our efforts to protect the election. Mm hmm. Well, I can tell you on social media right now, the um, calls for Governor Cuomo to resign, and that is heating up. People reminding us of Dr. Fauci holds up New York as a model for fighting coronavirus. They did it correctly. That, of course, was his quote. And um, there are multiple people, so he needs to resign now. Um, People just reacting to this, and of course... um, Here's one. Cuomo just, this is from Tim Young. Cuomo just proves that Democrats will literally kill your grandmother and lie to your face about it. So there's a lot of talk about uh, Cuomo heating up. So um, one more thing I want to touch on here in the show. It's sad news and it kind of hits at home. When I went to college, I went as a music major, piano. And one of the great inspirations that I had was I wanted to get into more out of classical music and into more jazz music was Chick Corea. And Chick Corea passed away today at the age of 79 uh, from what's being described as a rare form of cancer that, that was just recently um, discovered. So, I mean, I was, Gio came in and told me, and I was just, as, as he was, Gio's a great musician as well, just, um, just shocked by it. And um, going to school in, in the New York area, playing in New York City, and being around a lot of the great jazz musicians, the Lalama brothers. Um, I saw Chick Corea at the Blue Note multiple times. Um, saw a lot of these guys. Was around a lot of these guys growing up during my college years. I was lucky enough to be in the city a lot when, when you could go into the city and not fear for your damn life. Um, so sad, very sad to hear about the great Chick Corea passing away. Just an absolute um, legendary, but, but more of, um, he was a, he just changed the way people thought about the way you could play the piano, the way he, his sound was, his writing, his, imp, his improvisation um, was just something that we had really never heard before. And um, it was sad to see that news. Gee, I'm a little older than you, but what's your recollection of um, Chick Corea? When were you introduced to him? Um, it's mostly just YouTube videos. I mean, growing up, I didn't really like what was on the radio. So as soon as I got my hands on the internet, I just started going down the rabbit hole with everything I could find, jazz, you know, whatever genre, but, um, definitely blown away by, you know, some of the live videos that are out there on YouTube and he was still making music to this, you know, to the day he died, he was still active. Yeah. Him and Christian McBride and on bass, fantastic, legendary. And, um, some of the trio work, I mean, just the albums, just unbelievable stuff. So I was sad to see um, Chick Corea dies at 79. I guess it wasn't today. I guess it was two days ago, but they announced it today. So uh, just a legend, a legend in the music world and specifically, obviously, in the jazz world. 
there will um they will he will be sorely missed um his albums his live performances his just everything he brought to the genre and to the craft and he was brilliant and um yeah so it was very sad chick korea passes away at 79 as always we salute our military active and active police firefighters first responders emts thanks everybody on the show Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Dr. Ben Carson. Thanks to Harry, Ben Berkwam, Anna Perez, the whole gang. We'll see you tomorrow night, wrapping it up for a Friday night. We'll spend some time on this revolver story that we just touched on tonight, but we'll really dig into it uh, tomorrow night, and we'll see what happens with this uh, nonsense in the Senate. Back with you in 22. We'll see you tomorrow night.